Hey there, Charles McFall here again to talk about the best ice cream in the universe over at the Rock Isle of Waffle Cones. Our patented ice cream trucks can be found all around the United States, bringing joy and merriment everywhere. Mmm. This summer we're proud to announce our new line of flavors we call the Giant Size Team Up Network. Our breaking the panel ice cream sundae it's pure vanilla ice cream with whipped cream, coconut shavings, white sprinkles, and powdered sugar. Because if there's one thing Charles McFall believes in, it's that ice cream shouldn't be mixed. Top House are special waffle cones shaped like a ditch or two, filled with spoiled ice cream. Because just like Australia, anything can kill you. Each purchase comes with a collectible Barbie doll with no head of clothes. Mmm, just the way nature intended. Blazing Defender is our signature cinnamon waffle cone, topped with black rifle coffee ice cream and steroid sprinkles. Please note that your legs won't get any bigger than a bird's. Look for a buy one, get one free coupon in this week's Bear Fighter comic book, Geek Versus. Here's a fat kid with ADHD's wet dream come true. Mmm. 16 different flavors of ice cream topped on a multi-flavor waffle cone and topped with all of our toppings. This tasty treat will cause a debate in your mouth. Pokemon Go Podcast is a colorful, refreshing popsicle. After a long day searching for make-believe animals, ranging in a number of flavors and shapes from Pikachu to Snorlax, chase down that taste of bitter disappointment and realistic expectations, with our cool, refreshing treat. FTH Beyond is a mystery ice cream sandwich. Sometimes you'll get a delicious vanilla fudge marshmallow sandwich, and others you'll get a multicolored dog turd. Keep buying until you get the one you want. With the purchase of 15 or more sandwiches, we'll throw in the musical stylings of Kurt and on air his barbershop quartet. Lastly, our Bosch Podcast Dessert Pizza is filled with enough sugar and alcohol to kickstart diabetes in anyone while simultaneously knocking them out cold. Elvish medicine will be required. One in every 20 pizzas has spoiled toppings and spoiled dairy needing immediate medical attention. So if you're out there looking for our tasty ice cream at the Rock Out of Waffle Cones, just listen for our trucks. You know, they have the playful jingle. Da 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 And if you want more information on where you can find these trucks, just head on over to www.giantsizeteamup.com and be sure to come visit. I got a whole freezer full of popsicles. These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. Welcome to Breaking the Panel. I'm back to make it better than last week. Because, you know, I know you missed me. I know it was, it was a slow, dull 20-minute ride. But I'm back to give you a two-hour rock and roll. It was glorious. Is it glorious oh. three seconds, Paul? 
that what it, it was? No, it was a wonderful ah. two weeks of just bliss. <laughs> I was here the week before. You know, it, it, it was great. <laughs> you know, a certain group of people were able to rest a little easier. Don't start with me. <laughs> that man is poking the bear. That's Paul Klotz. Yeah. And Phil, you're well, shaking your head. Welcome back, you big dumb dumb. Oh, Charles, <laughs> thanks for doing what nobody asked for and coming back to the show. <laughs> I'm glad that you could grace us with your presence and making podcasting great again. You know, oh, it's going to be, like, oh. be like living in 1939 Germany. So it's great. Everybody, please, other hosts, have your papers you. ready. Have your papers ready because he's going to check them. And if you don't have them in order, I'm sorry, we're going to have to send you uh, send you down to Texas. It's, I'm, sad. I'm sad to announce that uh, Botch has been canceled for Dragon Con this oh, year. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Such an asshole. Welcome you know, back, Charles. This is why this is why I go make other friends so they can be all nice and awesome. From Super Geeked Up, DC Action Hour, and a charity stream that he's going to tell us about a little bit later, Jeff Burns. Hey, thanks for having me on. Great to be here. No, no snarky comment. See, this is why I no, like you, Jeff. Well, I appreciate they, it. Yeah. Well, they gave enough of it, so I'll be nice <laughs> to you. I think you're great. Um, <laughs> why <laughs> you know i i can just imagine fans at home driving in their car on their way to work or something when they listen to us just being like why and then i say it and then they're yeah, like yeah exactly why yeah. No, we kid we love yeah. charles but um mm. half the fun mm. is making speak it for me <laughs> <laughs> i did take well, you last said, uh, to be part of dragon i had to say that about him on air he said <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fair enough. Uh, so, Super Geeked Up and DC Action Hour. Tell us a little bit about that before we get into these headlines. Sure, thanks. Uh, Super Geeked Up is uh, so it's a live uh, geeky pop culture show. We talk uh, zany geek themed discussions and play a lot of improv games that are all like uh, geek style. So, if you like Whose Lines It Anyway, we do a lot of uh, improv comedy like that, but we just put our geeky spin on it. Uh, so, we have a lot of fun. Uh, we, uh, Charles actually has been on the show recently a couple of times mm -hmm. and, uh, we have cool guests on and, uh, and then the DC action hour is where we talk all the CW DC, uh, comic shows. So arrow flash, Supergirl, all that stuff. Oh, and, uh, yeah. So, um, and we do some gaming streams, which, uh, and we got one coming up uh, later this week as well. It was very cool to meet gorilla grod virtually. You know, yeah, yeah. We had David Soboloff, who does the voice of uh, Gorilla Grodd on The Flash and Legends uh, on uh, DC Action Hour. And uh, Charles, Charles was a uh, guest co-hosting that day, actually. He was fun. He was great. The, the, these two guys could be on, but you got to get like the worst other guests to have on with them just to make them look a little bit better. So you'll be co-hosting with us, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much doing that show right now. Yeah, yeah this, this, okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I, I noticed that you, you talked about how you have cool people on, but I have to ask, like, what what kind of tragedy befalls a show when you have to resort to having Charles on? No, Mick falls a show. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not punny enough today. <laughs> anyway, screw Chris Wisdom with that real life photo from his unit. <laughs> oh my god! For those of you who don't know, because he shared it with us privately, and I don't think we can probably we probably can't make it public. He's like, hey, look, Charles is in my unit. And, was, and there's a little guy and a big guy. So I thought he was just talking about the size. Well, yeah, that big guy's got your back. Take care. He's like, uh, yeah, and, and by little guy, big guy, you mean like 
of mice and men. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Was, this dude was, yeah. And so he's like, no, you didn't look at the picture. So I pulled it out and zoomed in. And on the back of the hat's McPhail is the name <laughs> on the house. Like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. I hate you, Chris. Uh, and real quick, I was on uh, this past you Saturday. Can't, you can't hate Chris. He's your George. Yeah, he, he might have to put me down one day. People, people who've read books recently understand that joke. Recently, recently, <laughs> recently. <laughs> I think that book came out like 1918 or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's the last book he's read. <laughs> uh, I was on Bed Love Beyond, Bed Love Beyond this weekend, and that episode should be out here in the next week or so. And nice. Bed it, Love. Bed, like go to sleep in a bed. Love, yeah, bed. Beyond, yeah. That's yeah. Is it about like romantic stuff. What? Yep, it is all about. Uh, why, why were you on it? <laughs> <laughs> this is how it's good. BB8, you still love me. Mm. Sorry, I'm already being influenced by these other two guys. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was on. Actually, this particular episode was about keeping it fresh after 20 years. I was on about how my wife and I keep our relationship going after. Oh, congratulations! Long, so. That's great. Oh. Jesus, I <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, you I'm need good. to be part of patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel so you can see these videos. I swallowed it. Because you're going <laughs> to. We're good. Oh, no. Oh, you get a whole lot more out of seeing the video <sighs> than just hearing the podcast. Yeah, well. But much it's... like much like the guy showing up on this show, resistance is futile. CBS is rumored to be expanding the Star Trek universe and possibly bringing back, I say Locutus, but they say, you know, Jean-Luc Picard, like, mm, he's kind of, I don't know how we're going to work that out. But uh, what do you guys think? Patrick Stewart might be coming to a new Star Trek series. Make it so. Fair enough. What about you, I mean, I, I'm, I'm down. Like, yeah. By all means, bring him back. Now, I've said multiple times that I am not a Star Trek fan. Um just because I've never watched any of it, but there is nothing that Patrick Stewart cannot do. He is fabulous in every role he's ever had. Yes. And uh, I would support it. I'm not going to watch it, but I'll definitely support the idea of having him back on the show. And if anything, it's going to boost their ratings that I'm sure they desperately need over at CBS access. Well, they said, despite all the, the, and we know there was a troubled history getting this show up and running uh, just, it took them a long time to get everything going and they put it behind a paywall and all this other stuff, but it was an excellent show. They did very well with it. It surprised me. And do I remember hearing correctly that they lost three out of the four showrunners? Yeah. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's good to hear at least some good news coming out of the <laughs> Star Trek. It, you know, here's they, the, lost their, they lost their original showrunner before it even premiered. Brian. True. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and well, here's the thing about Star Trek, right? Just the same as Star Wars. You can, put out the crappiest Star Wars and put the crappiest people on it, it's still going to succeed. And uh, I think we might have a story about that later. But Well, it's not necessarily the case with Star Trek, though, because we've had, you know, I mean, well, Enterprise didn't, didn't do very well. And, yeah, well, and it it's did. not even that Enterprise was a bad show. But the theme know. song was. Yeah, okay, that's fair. The show was decent. The theme song was. Uh, I'm the only one who likes that theme song. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing wrong with the theme song. It's just not Star Trekky. Yeah, but it fit. It fit what they were trying to do, I think. It was like the first, the problem, the I first have, voyage in this. You know, as I know, it's got kind of a country th- swing to it, right? Yeah, if I recall yeah. correctly. 
and now I can't figure like in my head a theme song is playing and I'm not sure if it's Firefly or it's Fire. I guarantee you, you're hearing Enterprise. Firefly. Yeah, it's probably it's probably Firefly is the country song. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. both, I believe. Yeah, they're no, both. Well, maybe originally it wasn't sung that way in the show. It was more oh, okay. like just like a pop ballad kind of. Oh, okay. Like a Tom Jones esque. Sure. If Tom Jones did country. I don't know. Uh, I don't watch the show. <laughs> I I don't. I just I'm just saying this Star Trek. Was the best thing that hit CBS, even with all the, according to this article, it's one sure. of the huge, is a huge hit for them, carrying them through. They automatically did a, a season two. I'm curious to see where they go because I was very disappointed that they tied it directly right into uh, the original Star Trek at the end of the season. And then they announced maybe Jean Luc Picard or, well, Patrick Stewart. We don't know what he would be doing. Well, it says Captain Picard. It would be a it different, does, that would so. be a different show, though. They yeah, it would have to jump way, at least into the future they would do a second Star Trek show. Exactly. Well, it, it seems to me like they're they're primed to create a shared universe a la the Berlantiverse or even, you know, technically the, um, the Marvel Netflix shows, that kind of thing. Uh, there's well, and they they've had it before briefly. You know what I mean? When we had the the tail end of Gen, um, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager were concurrent. You know what I mean? So it's entirely possible that they could juggle a handful of shows and make them interweave a little bit. Maybe not necessarily directly. You know, like maybe not have crossovers and that sort of thing, but absolutely be like, oh, here's this part of what's going on during everything and then this is what's going on over here um especially because discovery is you know um, discovery can do almost anything it wants you know what i mean because of the core plot you know what i mean of the of the ship itself and what it can do yes yeah absolutely now the last line of this article is we are our fans going to get a next generation reboot the question is do we really want a reboot not a reboot. No, I don't. It's not going to be a reboot. I mean, to use Picard, it's got to be something different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you do anything, it's got to be new. But here's what I loved about Discovery: the re- to me, it was a whole different tone than any other of the other Star Treks, where there was war, there was darkness, there was violence, there was uncertainty. There was definitely a polarity in choosing sides instead of the. And I loved all the Star Treks. Right? I grew up with the reruns of the original, and then my my first Star Trek was Next Generation, and I've seen every other one since then. I But they're all, humanity will prevail, and, and we're here mm-hmm. to help the universe. And there, in Generation, you could argue there's some darkness, but it was a it's like darkness on the flash. It still was light darkness, you know? Whereas Discovery, there was some some stuff going on there, and I'm hoping that if we do get Generation Part Two, maybe then they keep that tone, right? Well, then I won't be watching it because that's why I don't I don't watch Discovery. So you didn't like it. You didn't like that. Well, I hated part. the pilot. It's yeah, it was totally. It was right. It's a different show. Did it's you show watch? For, go I'm ahead. sorry. Did Did you get past the pilots though? The, the no. two double. I would yeah. recommend that you give that a chance because I. I understand how off-putting the the double episode was, but it tonally it is bad. very different from the rest mm-hmm. of the first season. I was iffy at first, and by midway through, I was like, "Okay, this isn't what I expected. This isn't even what they presented initially." But I'm I'm down. Like this is, it's interesting at least. You know what I mean? So, if I can make a recommendation, if you're a big Trek fan, I am a huge Trek fan. Yeah, tr- try to let the first two up like. Just let them wash over you yeah, and then them. flush them away. <laughs> I mean, obviously, everything that happens after the fact deals with those first two episodes, but 
the tone, like the weird camera angles and the, the tone and everything changes completely. They do a little bit of that later, but not to the same extent. And the, you see some really interesting stories rise to the top. You know what I mean? Out of like yeah. directions you don't initially anticipate either. So um, you okay. might still hate it. Yeah. But uh, you know what I mean? I under uh, basically because what I'm trying to say is I understand the objection that classic Trekkies have to Discovery and by extension to like the Abrams films, you know what I mean? Like the post Abrams films. I understand what they're saying and I get that. But they did start working towards something that was at least parallel to that later in the season. So I think a lot of people got turned off by that double episode. Um, it was it was it was rough. It was exactly what you're saying. Jeff of that's not the Star Trek I know this is weird everything's odd and they even said they even did it worse by putting the first part of that episode the episode one on public TV and then putting the second episode behind the paywall yeah. and it, it was it was odd but I'll say this to anybody if you do three four and five binge watch those if you can and after that if you don't like it you're not gonna like it but that's what yeah. changed me kept me going like because I kept hearing like Chris Wisdom and Paul Klaus talking about how Oh, it gets better. It's good. Stick with it. So I did. I said, okay, I'm going to give it five episodes. And then I ended up watching the whole series and really enjoying it. So it's still five hours. <laughs> no, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge chunk of time to, and I know, you know, five hours nowadays is pretty easily attainable with binging, but it's still five but, hours. But keep in mind, Star Trek as, as, a, as an intellectual property is famous for terrible first seasons. Oh yeah. And sure. discovery shook that relatively quickly in, in its first season as compared to like TNG, that entire first season and most of the second season is widely regarded to be extremely rough. You know, terrible. I mean? It makes me want to throw up when I watch yeah. it. Like, and see, that's the only series of star Trek I've ever watched. Uh, <laughs> season one of, uh, uh the thing is though, like it becomes like one of the best shows that's ever been on TV. Yeah. I know, yeah. but I can't just, I, just I know it's tell. tough. I don't have time to commit. I've only got yeah. so much hours to watch the great British bake off to actually. <laughs> oh, that's a great show though. Watch. That is a great show. Mary Berry is, is my heart. So yeah. Um, to circle back a little bit to what you were saying, Charles, um, about discovery in the darkness and everything. I think deep space nine did a good job of tapping into that they while, did. Keep, while keeping that original. Cause I mean, deep space nine dealt with some really deep stuff like religion and fanaticism and terrorism by, you know, oppressed peoples. And I remember, I, I think I fell off I like season three of deep space nine. Cause oh, I remember see, George, that's my favorite show. And they get into like, there's a whole yeah. huge war thing by the end of yeah. that. Like, it's, see, I never saw, I never saw where Worf joined them. I never saw the war. So yeah. maybe I missed uh, out on that's, some of It's an amazing show. And you're right. But they, they still kept the tone mm-hmm. of start the Roddenberry's vision in that show. So bring it back to the article, though. Even if this um, quote-unquote rumblings of Patrick Stewart coming back, say that falls through, I still believe that CBS has a Star Trek, a second show in the works. Because they need to have oh, yeah. something to, to bridge that gap between Discovery and the other nine months in the year. Because I think they're, they... they're losing all that revenue where people just yeah. cancel and then resub, you know, come come spring or whenever discovery comes back on the air. Well, it's funny you phrase it that way because these, these shows are extraordinarily expensive to produce, but yeah, you know, I mean, yes, they need more revenue and they need to strengthen the IP right now because we don't have much else going on for it. 
but it, it is it's a huge undertaking you know so when a few episodes flop especially in the current climate of like instant access to so many different shows it, it can completely derail the series so they they have to do it well whatever they're going to do they have to do it well but i think they would do well to lean into the classic trek vibe that people are looking for that perspective you know so you can have your edgy darker you know kind of innovative show in discovery and you can also have a classic trek style show and you can even kind of push the boundaries a little bit with that show if you want but you should really kind of root it from that classic perspective if you want to bring trekkies back into the fold because there's a lot of people out there that are just floating in space you know and they they don't really have a home yeah that's a great point and hopefully they just learn from past mistakes Mm. you know don't dwell on it and they look forward and, and try to make the best damn sci-fi content that they can. You, you got to balance the old people somehow. Yeah. <laughs> all the CSIs. I, I, you know, Jeff, you shake your head. I thought you were saying like Star Trek fans are old people. Like no, us. no, no. I'm talking about all the other content basically on CBS. Oh, no. CBS is like super old. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. yeah. It always has been. Good. You know, Murder, She Wrote. I grew, up, I grew up watching Murder, She Wrote. And even then, like, like this channel's for old people. Yeah. <laughs> So we got some breaking news. Kurt hit us up. Now, I found the offer this morning and put it in our group. But as of, let's see if it has a time stamp. It doesn't have a time stamp on the actual article, but this just came through from comicbook.com. Uh, and Fox has accepted Disney's new offer of $71.3 billion with a cash-heavy cash heavy, uh influx there too so we knew that comcast was trying to block them right comcast was trying to get in there and take some of this marvel suck it murdoch yeah but uh (laughs) so this morning it came out that disney about 6 a.m uh pacific it came out that disney upped their ante by i think murdoch's was 35 a share and disney came in at 37 a share plus cash infusion and yeah Fox has accepted Disney's proposal, making it the offer to beat in the bidding war. So, I mean, it's obviously not over yet. The window is still open. Murdoch can come in, but Fox has already turned down Comcast twice now. Uh, so, seventy-one point three billion. Billion yeah. with a B, man. With a B. Um, and then it's going to take on Fox's debt additionally, which increases it to an eighty-five point one billion dollar transaction man that's that's a a lot of money really big play from disney yeah well i mean i always thought that comcast was just running up the bill because you gotta know everybody knows you you can't go against the pockets of disney yeah i mean they've got so much money yeah Uh, there's no way that they could actually ever run out yeah, but there there could be a point where they're not willing to spend anymore, obviously, for yeah. a certain thing. Well, once they have Fox, I mean, what oh, else do they need? What if Disney's running it up on Comcast? Uh, yeah, I know they yeah. want Marvel, but what else is over there? I mean, Disney can no, take anything this, and blow it up. But. This was absolutely uh, trying to run up the bill on Disney. It's not – I really don't feel like it's going to work. I mean, like, I don't think it's going to – I don't think it's going to punish Disney the way Comcast is probably trying to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um it just doesn't. I don't think it's going to pan out that way. I think Comcast really wanted Fox. I don't, and I actually wish they had it. I wish Disney didn't get it, but I'm well, in the minority. That's interesting. Sure. Uh, yeah. What, why? Do you, why do you say that? 
<laughs> yeah, so, see, I have a lot of different views. I think a lot of people now in, in a lot of geek world. I, I, I'm a filmmaker besides doing, you know, hosting and stuff. But. Oh, what film did you make, Jeff? <laughs> well, well, Charles, I made the web series called Super Knocked Up, which is a comedy about a supervillain who gets pregnant by her superhero nemesis. Uh, yeah, it did okay. It, all right, fine. We got it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. It's a good watch. It's on Amazon. It's on YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Uh, we, we, yeah, we had fun, a lot of fun making it. Um, but I, for me personally, I think we're in the dark ages of filmmaking. And the reason I say that is I don't think there's anything new being done. And like everything is the same. And like everything's being obviously rebooted and sequels. And like the Marvel movies are all well made. And they're good, but I forget of them the day after I watch it. And like, I don't care about them anymore. Like, I don't really even care about seeing any Marvel movies anymore in the MCU. Cause I'm just getting the same thing all the time. And I don't know, like, and I like, it's weird because obviously I'm a comic book fan since I was a kid. Right. And this is the stuff mm-hmm. I love. I feel the same way about the star Wars movies. Like star Wars is my all time ultimate favorite thing. The original movies, nothing will ever top that. Um, but I don't want any more star Wars movies to be made. And so, unfortunately, Disney, for me, is just cranking out their money makers, of course. So they're going to keep making them. Right. But that's all they're doing. They don't they don't they want to do the same formula because it works and people see it. And they're not going to change that because that's what people are going to see. So we're not going to get anything new or innovative. Because we're every, because they're just cranking out the same stuff again and again. Well, here's a question. What would be new and innovative for Marvel? <sighs> that, that's the thing. I don't I honestly actually just would kind of like I think it's going to create crazy sounding coming from me, but. Stop making superhero movies for a while, because I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So you're more. It sounds like maybe more oversaturated. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, <laughs> please stop minting money. No, I, I I hear what you're saying. Um, well, the, okay. So to to roll back a little bit to the Star Wars aspect of it, I feel like the public reception to Solo kind of proves that people don't want anything that breaks the mold at all now i'm not saying that solo is super inventive or anything but it's definitely not your it's not your mainline star wars film obviously because the the scope is so much smaller and it's not rogue one which was tying directly into events that people were familiar with you know what i mean so it was just fleshing out a, a key part of a new hope story it was doing backstory on a beloved character and people were split on it. Like some people loved it. I was somebody who enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm not going to say it's the best star Wars film ever made, but I I enjoyed myself. Um, There are lots of people who are like, this is complete garbage. And I'm like, well, it's some of you folks are the same people who were asking for something new and different. This was new and different. And they're like, nah, whatever. I don't want it. I, I don't know that the public really, is primed for anything new and different. They're not. I've, I've been saying that for a while. Uh, Cause Phil and I, for example, are big fans of Blade Runner and I know Blade Runner is not exactly new and different, but even though it's a sequel, the the style and the, the whole approach to it and then everything that was done with the new Blade Runner film, it was incredible. And people just barely cared. You know what I mean? Hardcore sci-fi fans were about the only ones who showed up. And similarly, the same thing with like Arrival was an incredible yeah, sci-fi that film phenomenal. that really like I had no idea what to expect going into it. And I walked out of it co- totally blown away. And, you know, other than in some certain tight circles, nobody really knows what it is. So, well, you're right. People are not going to see new sci-fi IP. They don't really yeah. want that. And by the way, like one thing I show, I'm not criticizing anybody. If you're enjoying those movies, that's great. That's awesome. But 
see, that's not what I want to see. And that's my problem. Like I am not in the majority obviously right now. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, that's not what I want to see. So that's why I'm kind of stuck with not caring about movies so much right now. See, but, but it also has a yin and a yang with television. And it, it always seems to go this way. When television starts to get a little bit better, mm -hmm. movies get repetitive. So that's where I personally just make the switch. And that's why I was happy to see the expanse actually get picked up and renewed mm -hmm. because that's where I'm getting good sci-fi right now. And that's where I'm getting original semi-original ideas on television. So no, you're totally right. I'm which way more TV now yeah. uh, and hardly any movies. So you're totally right. Cause I think TV is doing a lot, really great job. Yep. And I, I think that Marvel, at least on the Netflix front has been trying different storytelling mm -hmm. ideas. And I feel like what they did with Ant-Man was different. And I mean, yes, that's the can... one I liked the most, actually. I yeah. love him. It was so yeah. different. It's, it's different. Fun. And it's, I mean, but yeah, it's a heist film. I mean, you can still genreize it, but you know, Luke, Luke Cage split people. And I think yeah. most of this panel loved it, but there were definitely people on our network who were like, I, I didn't get it. That's, that's there. And it's, it's, well, yeah, there, you know? there's, there's an elephant in the room with Luke Cage that a lot of people just don't want to admit. And that is, you have to be at least somewhat familiar with, you the know, culture. black American culture yeah. and you have to like it. And if you're predisposed to not care about it or like it, you're going to hate that show. Whereas, you know, the three of us who are on the show week to week, I loved it. I don't, don't want to speak for you, Jeff. I don't know if you like Luke Cage or not. I don't know if you even watch it, but we loved it because, you know, we grew up with that culture in our lives and we love it. You know what you I mean? You don't speak for me. Yeah, I, I do speak for you. Phil. I've never seen it. Pipe down. <laughs> I've no, no. Oh, I've that's never right. Seen, you, you, I've never sorry. seen any Great. Netflix uh, Marvel shows. <laughs> your uh, your better version was here before when we were. No, I've been here the whole time. Um, <laughs> hey, man, you know even Marvel Netflix tends to fight in hallways a little bit too much. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Luke Cage is dropping this Friday. Luke Cage season two, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be interesting. I have no idea what to expect, so I don't have any strong feelings. Yet. I saw the I saw the trailer. Uh, just the other night, it popped it. up. Well, I, put, you know, I turned on Netflix, all of a sudden it starts playing. So now Oh, yeah, it. of course. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's different, and I'd like some comic book geeks to at least watch the trailer and, and tell me if what I should look for, because I'm not familiar with a lot of the B and C listers, even D listers that Netflix has to pull from. So uh, it looks good, though. It looks fun. looks great. Uh, so I am excited about that. Uh, I get what you're saying, Jeff, about Disney. I mean... Well, oh, my wife and I talked about making the Dead Parent Society T-shirt because we just went to Disney. And it's like they hate parents. I mean, it, the whole park set up against parents. The, the, their movies are kill all the parents. It's an interesting thing <laughs> that they do. Uh, but that's I it. actually like Disney parks, by the way. I have a good. Oh, time I love them too. I mean, I just went last week. That's where BBA came oh, from. Oh, nice. So, uh, but, it's so they can recruit the kids into the Disney youth. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so, but Star Wars went. We're going to get to Star Wars here later on in the show. Well, we can talk about it right now since it's kind of relevant. It we, kind of is. But well, I think we have a bigger discussion about it. That's why I put it on the backing. Yeah. That's where we kind of go loosey-goosey with it. Okay. Uh, I don't. I when I didn't want just another Star Trek crank out. I didn't want. I I didn't like Luke Cage in the way. Not Luke Cage. I'm sorry. I love Luke Cage. I didn't like Iron Fist in the way right. that they've done that whole arc. But they can improve on it or may. But there's people who loved it. Uh, Somebody's wife, that's the only one they liked. Was that you, Phil? No, we don't watch Marvel. Can you fucking <laughs> listen to me for one fucking second? Paul, it was it was Phil that liked God Iron Fist, damn. wasn't it? I'm fucking out I of think here. so. 
No, it was Carl. Yeah, does it? I, I, I Carl. Spam website, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it, although I don't think Comcast would have done anything different. I think Comcast would have gotten but, Fox and just rode those <laughs> IPs into the ground. I guess here's my thing. I don't, I prefer it when not one company controls everything. Because I think when other people have things, you get diversity and you get different takes from different filmmakers. And I know there's different filmmakers making these MCU movies, but I feel that still Disney has their like kind of stamp on everything and on the Star Wars and like you have to follow this certain pattern. And I think that's why some filmmakers have been fired by them because they couldn't fit that mold. Um, and like, it's like Deadpool over on Fox, right? Like a lot of people said like that would not have ever got greenlit over at Disney if at that time at it was time, made. Right, right. And like the X-Men movies, like uh, Days of Future Past, that's my favorite comic book movie actually. Like, I love that movie. I actually liked what the Fox was doing with X-Men a lot. Not Apocalypse so much, but some of the other ones they did. Um, and I don't know. So I like having different studios have, like, so you get different stories. You're getting different people to tell these, and you're getting more variety rather than one person controlling everything. I just, I don't know. I think that's stagnant for filmmaking. That's fair. Well, so the, the, for me, the big thing, I just wanted to see marvel and by extension the parent company disney reacquire most of the rights to their properties you know the marvel properties because i i'm personally tired of watching what what was you know soon to be previously fox just pump out these terrible renditions with these marvel characters just to keep rights yeah that because they were holding them hostage and comcast was going to do the same thing almost assuredly like i i, I there's not an ounce of belief in me that thinks that Comcast was going to do any of those characters or properties. Right. Um, but I, I, Jeff, I do agree with you. Like I do agree that ha Disney having too much of the pie isn't great overall for the whole industry. You know what I mean? And cause it will homogenize, it will crush out, you know, diversity and different perspectives and everything, but I'm not entirely convinced that Fox was really that great at doing that. Any, I mean, yes, the, the X films, I mean, well, the X films were largely singers. So there was that he's gone now. So who knows how it's going to go with this next one. Um, oh, so know, yeah. He's not doing the, the oh, Phoenix no, one. Yeah, no, he's gone. He's, he, somebody, yes, yeah, somebody else is doing dark. He's Phoenix. definitely not on this next one. Um, but I think he's, he's producing still, I think, but, okay. um, and I, yeah, I don't think he'll be back, but, the other thing is the two Deadpool films, a lot of that, even though he's not necessarily the writer or the director was Reynolds, you know, yeah. just like just circling the wagons and getting everybody involved who actually cares about what they're doing and doing it right. And, you know, that's an incredible thing. And I think it taught the whole industry a lesson that if you get people who are passionate about something that has a fan base and you do it right, you do it faithfully, th the dollars are there. I mean, Deadpool 2 absolutely crushed mm -hmm. in a really stacked season. I mean, one of the reasons we'll talk about Solo when we talk about Star Wars, but one of the reasons Solo did so poorly comparatively to expectations is because it was just a bombarded season of big blockbuster after blockbuster and Deadpool still crushed. So, yeah. um, you know, there, it's out there you know the dollars are out there the fans are out there if you can if you can write to them and, and reach them but yeah no I, I i see what you're saying and it's it is a little concerning i just have a lot of i 
I, we, we don't really do politics on the show very much. We, we lightly brush by it every once in a while, but I think there was some political reasons behind the Comcast Fox offer that wouldn't have necessarily had positive implications in the long run on the creative side. Hmm. So I'm happy to see it come, you know, come to Disney, but it would be nice to see the pie get broken up a bit more elsewhere. We'll see what happens. In other comic book news, Invincible has been greenlit to be an animated series on Amazon. Have you gentlemen ever read Invincible? I have not. That is Kirkman, uh, the guy, of course, most famous for Walking Dead. And the the gist is uh, you're following this, this teenage kid, and he's a normal kid doing everything. But the catch is his father is the most powerful superhero in the world. Basically, he's like Superman's son. And then he starts developing his own powers, and you have this father-son dynamic. And it's not all puppy dogs and rainbows. And mm-hmm. I forget who – maybe Uncle George is the one who recommended it to me. Uh, but I've read the first two books of it. Uh, really good stuff. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how this does differently than The Walking Dead did. Because, you know, Kirkman had his own story, went into The Walking Dead, and it – with his guidance, I know he was a part of that TV story as well – the television series went hard, different direction with characters and storylines. And while they kept the heart of the overarching, what Kirkman was doing, it definitely made its own thing. And then fear the walking dead is a brand new property based off of that, that Kirkman helped procreate. Uh, this well, is Kirk- Kirkman's a showrunner in both of those. So. Yeah. 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 I'm not, I'm not saying it, they did. That's all wrong. intention. Yeah. You know I, mean? I just, I, I found for once in my life, I went, eh, I really wanted to stay true to the books versus where they went. And that kind of, it kind of lost me. But it was a choice. Usually I'm like, hey, yeah, there are two different universes. This is the TV universe and that's a comic book universe. And mm-hmm. I can enjoy both. But for some reason, that one, it, it wasn't for me. So I'm wondering what they might do here with Invincible. But it's an eight-episode, hour-long animated series. Uh, and it's I'm surprised be- it's hour wow. for an animated Yeah, that's yeah, really that's a lot of work. Yeah, that's, that's eight hours. That's what about... <clears throat> 60, 70 hours of, of work on each episode. I can't actually recall another hour-long animated series. Has there been? Mm, I can't. I not off my head. Well, we, I think so. we haven't we haven't had a mature animated series of this sort, really. Spawn. When Spawn was on Showtime way right. back in the day, it was I think yeah. it was about an hour long. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. I'm guessing. It's been a long time since I watched that. And when you said uh, adult-oriented, that was what triggered mm-hmm. it. Oh, yeah. That thing was dark, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to Reddit right here. As of uh, September of last year, somebody asked, has there ever been an hour-long animated TV show? And the all-new Super Friends Hour, that was late <laughs> 70s. And that really wasn't an hour long because it's all commercial break stuff. There. That's like 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the new Scooby Doo movies, but that's that's man. That's, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that counts, man. Does that count? I love Scooby Doo, yeah. but I mean, when you talk about doing straight to DVD once a year, no, no, I don't no, know. no, no. They're the after the first few seasons of Scooby Doo, they did hour long shows where these guest stars like the Harlem Globetrotters, yeah, Globetrotters, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Batman and Robin. Yeah, those were hour long. Yeah. Those right. were hour long. Right. Yeah. yeah, they were great. Uh, yeah, those they were. Great. You still see them on Cartoon Network. Invasion America. I don't remember that one. I was on the WB in 1998. Uh, had six hour-long episodes. Um, well, it's good to see, yeah. you know, Amazon picked this up. They did pretty well with the tick. So I, I think they have a good mindset of translating from book to screen pretty well. Animated, I, I dig it. 
especially if it's going to be a little bit darker. Um, it's one step closer to a Oblivion song series. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, we're we're like four years down the road from that, but but if they lay <laughs> the uh, the the groundwork down now, I would actually much rather uh, an Oblivion song series got greenlit like now, because I just cannot. I can't do the month to month. You thing can't wait a month. No, I'd, <laughs> I'd rather right. wait a year and get a show at yeah. this point. Because I'll hey. tell you, the setting is cool, but like I want to see some actual story. At least they tell you at the end of each book, like exactly when the next book is coming out. You know, so you know to get to your shop by July 11th. <laughs> no. no. And the kicker I, is, he's probably got most of those books done. And they're just in the process of yeah, sure. processing. Oh no way! It, it, okay, so if you uh, if you go back and read old Walking Dead, like the mailbag stuff, he admits a lot of his process back. Like he, oh yeah, Kirk Kirkman is absolutely somebody who fakes it until he makes it. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like when he, well, he, I mean, he's got great stories of like straight up lying to Image and stuff about like certain things, like the direction of the story and everything. Like he pitched at one point that the the reason zombies exist in walking dead is because of aliens and like several dozen episodes later, somebody was like, Hey, where, where, where are those aliens going to come? And he's like, there's no aliens. <laughs> it's like uh, The toys who made, you know, the toys that made us episode of, Oh yeah. Yeah. Of uh, Joe uh, he, he man. Yeah, no, he man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've, we've got this, that, and this, but okay. Yeah. So, so maybe not oblivion song, but if this does well, Here's a chance that we get Saga in a cartoon form on the screen. Ooh, now that is so. So, so you know, I I I hope this does well. I'm I'll watch. Now I know I'll, this I'll is watch a couple episodes. I know but... this is not a Kirkman property, but that gives me hope for Why the Last Man possibly at some point to really be picked up. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, that'd be. There's been rumors, and I'm and surprised so, it hasn't been. There've been Why? pre-production talks, but nothing's ever happened. Why the Last Man would be ideal for just a standard television show? Oh, yeah, yeah it should be live action. Yeah, it I mean, live action. Yeah. And it, it would be good. I well, okay. So the only thing is, if they were going to do a Y show, they would they need to wait a good like three or four years right now until we're a little farther out of the the glut yeah. of um you know survival post apocalyptic shows stuff like that. Well, no, I'm just talking about I'm like. Sorry, I thought you were going a different direction. No, no, no. Because it's a post-apocalyptic driven show and everything. You know, you'll recall in the last few years, there's been a a bunch of shows with that theme that were canceled. There was too much, too much in the marketplace in that regard. Uh, It kind of needs to have a chance to stand on its own. And it it needs to shake the, uh, oh, you're just another post-apoc show. You know what I mean? Like funk. Kind of in the same way that if you try to do anything with zombies right now, that's not Walking Dead branded. No way. Like yeah. people are gonna be like, no, come on, you're just trying to. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to walk into it. Yeah. Um, for Invincible though, like I suspect that they'll probably approach it the same way they did The Walking Dead, because Kirkman's talked about how it was a deliberate choice to deviate from the books. Yes, I, that's why I don't get angry about it. I have heard his interview, and that. also that he attributes that to a big part of the success too, because the the fans of the book that were watching the show we're now consuming both, you know, they're watching the show and continuing the books because it's two separate storylines with, you know, all these similarities. And then the people who started on one or the other and gravitated, you know, to cross over to the other. So it was just this whole 
carpet bombing effects for him and it, it you know it made the guy a lot of money and and know, he's not wrong i mean of some money. of the stuff he did in the book would be really tough to do in the show it would be really tough to do you know uh, i think it's also fun to see like different people come and go you know what i mean like yeah and and see a, a different take on oh if this person sticks around forever uh, or doesn't bernthal is returning According to some headlines yeah, I saw, that's uh, that's going to be interesting. That will be interesting. Uh, I wonder if I wonder if they only brought him back because his character was okay in the show and, I, and it fit the character in the book. Uh, but I wonder his if they brought him back because he's blown up. The show. I, I don't. He I think was I, great. His character was not as great as the. Okay, I sound like an asshole to my own head, but he's not as great as the character in the book. Yeah, I'm you're like, doing literally what you I know. Do I know. <laughs> it's not like the book. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think his char- his performance and his characterization in the show was pretty incredible. I I've never been so happy to see somebody leave a show violently. Yeah, but not because the performance wasn't good, but because I really genuinely hated that character because of the things he was doing. Um, he really made you and it, by an extension of that, it's really noteworthy how Bernthal was able to redeem himself in that regard when he did Punisher. Yeah. Because Castle does some ugly stuff, but you still can't help but like the guy. Yeah. You know, like, and re- at least respect him to a certain Don't shake your head. You just haven't watched it. Shut up, Phil. He's a, oh, I know who the Punisher is, and he's a murderer, and he should be behind bars. Well, you haven't watched the show, so you, you don't get to have be an opinion. judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, I believe you he proved you can. <laughs> Hold on. Jeff, you're right. Unless you're Judge Strand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, double standards, you flip flopper. All right. So DC has got a new outlook on their films, right? They've had a rocky start. Wonder Woman being one of the best things that ever happened to them, of course. Of everything else has been rocky. And I'm just pulling one quote from this clickbait title. Now, it's a decent article, but the title is full of clickbait. It's even Klaus like, yeah, that title is so clickbaity. But... In an interview with uh, Entertainment Weekly, Warner Brothers Film Chairman Toby Emmerich sounds hopeful that Aquaman will be the start of a new and improved DCEU. <laughs> Make better movies. I think good movies work better, Emmerich says. Somebody once said that the best business strategy in motion pictures is quality. And I think the, in a world of rotten tomatoes and social media, we've been proven the, be- the better the movie, particularly in the superhero genre, the better it performs. It's like, make better movies. That's DC's new motto. I like my water wet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, You know what? I I can't argue with this, right? If Aquaman's a better, like Wonder Woman by far was a better movie. It was phenomenal. If they're going to make better movies, then then they're going to get more money. I think, you know, we've, we've made this joke many times. I've made this joke many times. The first step is to to take the sepia filter right off. Yes, yes. Just be like, all right, let's get some color in this bitch. And, oh, wow, we can see things. We can see the action that's going on. Hey, look, Aquaman's beautiful. What a what a lovely man I, that I can actually see in full definition. Oh, look at all these other characters. I think that's a, a pretty key first step. Paul um, likes all his men in full definition. Yes. Good. Yeah. yeah, sure. But no, I mean, like, yeah, it's pretty obvious that, like, if you make bad movies, they're not going to do well. Yeah. Jeff, what do you think about this this statement here? I mean, it was, it was preposterous when I read it. Like, I, I'm almost if it's a real quote or not. Uh, but I mean, it's ridiculous. But here's the thing. I actually 
people I know love shitting on the DC movies. I actually usually defend them. Uh, I've actually liked a lot more of them than, not all of them, but a lot more than, than, than most people do. I agree Wonder Woman is amazing, but I actually love Justice League. Like, I love that movie. It was, I've been waiting for a Justice League movie so long, and it actually delivered on everything I wanted. Um, so I don't, and like, one thing the article says is that everybody like basically hated and disdained every other movie except Wonder Woman. Like, that's not true. I talk to people right. who like Justice League. It's not everybody is hating. I know a lot of people don't like them. That's fine. I, I very much <laughs> enjoy them. I liked what they did with. I like Batman v Superman even. Batman. Not all of it, yeah. but certain parts of that. Honestly, like, so we did, we did a movie panel for Justice League. And I don't remember exactly what the consensus was. It was, everybody was like, oh, it's better than we expected. That was basically the general consensus. But, but not yeah. quite there. Um, but for me, like, probably the biggest thing is if they had actually, like, done a good job with Steppenwolf. I probably would have like it would have bumped it up like a solid point or point and a half for me. It, it was just like some of those effects were just so bad. It's like I can't even believe this. You know what I mean? So, oh, really? um, see, I love though what they did with the, all the core Justice League characters and the dynamics I, with each other and how they interacted. Like that really worked for me. I think the actors were really well chosen. They did a great job uh, across the board. So, mm -hmm. like that's what I was looking for, and they delivered. I actually don't disagree with you at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the point I always make is people and always take it right to Marvel. Oh, Marvel does better. And Infinity War, I think, was a better movie than Justice League as far as a team up movie goes. But what I like to point out is Marvel's been doing it for 10 years at building and building and building and building. They've had their missteps. People like to hate on Iron Man 3. You know, people like to hate on Incredible Hulk. They, they've had their missteps. DC is late to the game, and they're only a few years in. This is their this is their misstep toddler phase, and I agree with you, Jeff. I liked how they did. I, it, some of the ways some of the stuff was handled is bad. I agree. It doesn't need to be gray all the time. You know, color color is a good thing. Well, um, but I think it's going to be it's it's a pretty huge opportunity here to not have the ghost of Snyder all over everything that you're doing. You know, yeah, it, 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 that's I feel like that still hurt Justice League quite a bit. You know, BVS. Even though I like, I don't have the issues with Man of Steel that Chris has, for example. Um, Chris is one of our co-hosts that is on hiatus, by the way, Jeff. Um, he really is a huge DC fan and feels very passionately about the characterization. So of, passionately uh, about Superman of, of that film. Oh, cool! But, you know, and it's it's just we. It was time to get the the single singular vision out of the way. Like, obviously, that has played out, played its course. It's it's it didn't work. Fans didn't resonate with it as much, so let's let's try to get some diversity in there. Let's get some different perspectives. I think you know part of what's really worked for Marvel lately is that even though they have their formula, when they get individual creatives in there that can really make it their own as much as they can within that outline, it, when you see stuff like Black Panther happen, where yeah. it's just a really kind of out of nowhere smash success there's a lot of potential for that the characters and the the actors that they have right now are solid you know the foundation is there it, it, it's really your your movies to make bad at the, you know like it's your movies to lose so you've you've all the right ingredients just make good movies Do i think they're about to make a turn i, I really do I, I i think that they're starting to put the right people in the right places and you know 
they're bringing in Spielberg to do a DC movie for shit's sake. It's a turn. I thought you said a turd. Okay, that's much better. A turn. <laughs> a turn. A turnaround. That's so. much better than a turd. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that Black Hawk movie is. Uh, but I mean, I've said on the show before, I don't like where Spielberg is right now in his career, and I would love to see him oh, get back to his roots with 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 Black Hawk. And uh, you know, if they keep bringing in these specialist directors who are, are, you know, savvy enough to, to put the right pieces into play. I mean, they could, they can certainly re jumps, you know, the heart of the DC cinematic universe. Gotta get James Cameron for Aquaman. No, come on, get out of here with that entourage bullshit. Yes. You turtle looking motherfucker. It was really, really more of a Titanic joke than anything. Yeah. I got it. If he's he's turtle, you're Johnny. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> Even though you're more Johnny Drama than me, but no, that's fine. No, I, I am um, the man. You're not. So <laughs> I, I like mean, the, what, oh no, no, I'm sorry, Jeff. Go. Uh, I, I like that. That DC does bring in like I feel like directors with a very distinct vision and style, and I think that's good. And, and like, and I'm not going to shit on Snyder like a lot of people do. I actually think he did a great job at Justice League. Though I agree with you, it's nice to see other people now coming in. But Snyder does have a very distinct visual style, and maybe yeah. you hate it, maybe you love it, but at least he he did. He put his style on that, right? And I think that's good sure. than just having everything be the same. And Jenkins did her thing, and James Wan is going to do his thing with Aquaman. And that's good, I think. Bring in Wes Anderson for Suicide Squad <laughs> yeah, yeah, Part get, 2. Get out of here. Well, actually, okay, I do want to see that. I Come see on, that. he's great with a solid cast. You know, it'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. To the, the Snyder thing, it's not that's like, I've liked Snyder films. I think a lot of well, no. There's a lot of people who hate Snyder and anything he's done, but I'm not one of those people. It's just that when you had that singular vision for so long and it was not catching the audiences when it kind of became excruciating by the end of it. Because I enjoyed Man of Steel. It has its flaws. I enjoyed BVS. It has its flaws. By the time you get to Justice League, it's just like, all right, uh, I'm, I'm ready for a different take. You know what I mean? Uh, which we saw a bit of because that is a film that is, is such a Frankenstein film where you can see the scenes between like, oh, Snyder did all of this and then Whedon came in and did this. And it's just so tonally different at points. Um, yeah, but I, it's we, we've got to get some, some new fresh blood in there. Jenkins did a great job. Uh, Aquaman looks, you know, hopefully it'll be great. I want it to be successful. I, I want, and I do, I honestly want Marvel to have competition in the marketplace. You know what I mean? I want people to be excited about good stories, not just one brand in particular. If there was an insane rivalry, could you imagine how great it would be? Like, yeah, maybe a couple less films, Marvel, like let's slow that down a little bit. Uh, we don't, we definitely don't need like two or three every single year, right. but like less is yeah. more, man. An insane rivalry where you're getting a big movie from each, you know, the D- DC and Marvel every year, mm-hmm. and they're they're on par or close. And we're, even we're if all we, winners on that. That'd one. be great. Yeah. yeah. That would be fantastic. I, I say uh, to make Phil happy with an ensemble cast for Suicide Squad 2, Gary Marshall, director. There you go. Gary Marshall's dead. And? <laughs> <laughs> and then bring in Gary Busey as the Joker, and I'm set. <laughs> All right, now, upside. Now kinda, wait, 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 hold on. I just had a thought. Now I kind of want to see like a Suicide Squad three done by the Cohen brothers. <laughs> Holy crap! 
Jeff, Jeff is hurting. Jeff is hurting. You can see it on his face. He's just painted uh, right there. No, no, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> really not. Yeah. You're Carrie, bring Sign in, me up. Bring in Carrie. I'll use as uh, I was as uh, Nightwing. <laughs> All right, oh, upside down and out crew. Are you excited about Stranger Things? Is coming to Dark Horse Comics. They've announced a Stranger Things comic line that is coming out. Is it going to be other happenings in the town, or is it just going to follow the show? Do we know yet? Uh, it doesn't really say. Uh, I'm scanning here. It's. I think it's going to be like their Star Wars line and, and other lines they've done where it's other happenings. You know, uh, it's an opportunity to explore the mysterious world of Hawkins, Indiana. And it will explore the adventures of Bill of Will Byers after he was transported to the horrific extra dimensional upside down. So you're going to see what happened to him while he's there. Dope. In the first series. 100%. Sign yeah. Me. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I'm down. Like, so, that's great. Yeah. And I think Dark Horse is the right company to go with with this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah show, show me some weird. I'm down. Great. Another fucking book I have to add to my pull list every goddamn month. <laughs> September 26th, it hits the comics. And it's only a four-issue uh, four uh, miniseries right now. Written cool. by Jody Hauser. I, I don't know these names, but they might matter to your comic book fans. Uh, written by Jody Hauser, illustrated by Stefano Martino, and inked by Keith Champagne, colored by Lauren F., and lettered by Nate Picos. Picos? Picos. The cover art looks pretty great. Uh, one yeah. of the things that they're nailing here is that they're catching that. Well, the first cover is catching that '80s art vibe, like that movie vibe. You know what I mean? TV yeah. show vibe. Yeah. Um, the second one is definitely catching a comic style. But yeah, the the panel art looks. It looks like they have already have alts for the alternate covers for the first issue. Because each yeah. one of these say one of four. Yeah. It, it, there's a lot of potential here. Um, they could do something great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sold already. It looks good. Man, it's too bad September 26th because that would be an amazing thing to talk about at Dragon Con if we could yeah. drop it as soon as it came out. That would be really cool. Sure, but it's right in time for Halloween. So that's true. I understand why they do it. That's true. Considering we're not getting a season this year, this will probably hold us through for a little bit. Now, Jeff, are you a fan of the Stranger Things? So I watched, here's the thing. I watched like the first season, except like the last one or two episodes. And it's so weird. Cause this is a show. Like I grew up in the eighties. Like that's my decade. Right. I'm like, Oh my God, this show is totally. And I don't know what it is. I've tried twice now to get through it and I just can't quite get through it. And I don't know if it's like, cause it's kind of slow paced, but that usually doesn't bother me. I usually I'm fine with that in shows. I don't know. There's just something not totally getting me into that. Like I thought it would on that show. So like I haven't actually been able to finish the first season. That's it. After I got past the, the first two episodes, because slow pacing does get to me. But once I got to the that second episode, I was always, what happens next? What happens next? And all the way to the end of it. So that's an interesting take that you're just not able to. Yeah, I don't know. All I have to say is you can't have slow pacing if you watch an entire season in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> no, that's what happened with me with season one. I was just like, first episode, grab me. 
and the next thing I, I remember I had to do, I went to you really see, watch the whole thing in one day. Oh yeah. I, and you know what? I saw Deadpool in the middle of it. Oh shit. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that we were talking because about. I fell asleep during Deadpool. <laughs> Cause so like, yeah, it was like, you know, a lazy Sunday I wake up and I, I woke up early and I just started watching stranger things. And then my we, friends and I had plans to go see Deadpool. I fell asleep in the second act of Deadpool. I don't think it really ruined the experience for me. I didn't miss that much. Just some fire and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I, I got home and I was like, you would think I'm like, oh, I fell asleep in the movie. I should go to bed. And it's like, no, I'm going to finish this show before somebody ruins something for me. So, yeah, no, I powered through it in a day. Um, I did not do that with the second season. I took a couple of days to watch the second season. But, yeah, that first season, I was just like there. And I, you know, so I was born in 84. So I grew up kind of the tail end of the 80s you know what i mean like i some of my early memories of the 80s vibe and everything Mm -hmm. but my sister uh is 12 years older than me she you know she was definitely 100 percent in all the the cultural stuff that is you know what i mean like so i i had exposure to it and everything and it felt it felt like home to me that's one of the things that i really like about that show is that it feels like a different time you know from when we were young and then but now it's got this weird stuff going on but Oh, I love, I love that part. You know, the capture of the eighties. Great. Yeah. yeah. Which the crazy part about that is, you know, the Duffer brothers weren't around for the eighties. Like, oh, are they younger? Oh yeah. They're, yeah. They, uh, I believe 84. Hmm? They were born in 84. Right. But they talk about how they didn't have like any exposure to it at all. Like yeah. it was, it was a back date thing for them that they had to kind of fully explore when they were yeah, flushing it out. So it, it, I thought that was an interesting little like, man, like you guys didn't even live it hardly at all, you know. So it's it's going to be interesting in the comp book. I think being that it's a different take is going to be really cool to do as well. I just like the idea that they get to fill that gap in. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that some of that time. So I, I like the idea of Phil having to buy it and then shipping it down to me after he's done reading it. I love that idea. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Here, what's your address? Give it to me real quick. (laughs) Hey, I've posted my stuff publicly. I like people sending me stuff. Uh, As you may or may not know, if you listen to Giant Size Team Up Network, we have a ton of awesome shows on there. And we've got a great one called Toy Power. And they're going to flip their lids on this one, I believe. It's it's a very interesting story. We're going to do a quick run on it because I'm sure they're going to go in-depth. But Comic-Con has previewed some classic dc comic figures are becoming mattel exclusive and this is from like action comics number one aquaman number 35 these are the original artwork if you will of the characters that we know today coming out as toys for mattel and it looks really kind of cool honestly uh you've got uh I was just trying to scan some of what it's saying. I, you know what? I don't care what it's saying. I'm going to look at... You got Superman lifting the car. They literally made Action Comics number one... Fuck the facts! ...into a facts toy. Fuck them! You're right, Phil. You're right. We live in the post-fact era. It's fun. But I love this one by Hot Wheels where you, they made the cover of Action Comics number one, but it's a figurine of Superman lifting a Hot Wheel green car. Yeah. It's cool. It, and it's packaged that way. It's so cool looking. Uh, and of course, these are going to be for collectors. And I mean, honestly, if this was just a straight toy, and I didn't know what it was. I'm like this looks like crap, but I realize it's absolutely capturing the artwork of the originals. Um, very cool. I think if for toy collectors, this is going to be a great thing to have. Now, 
Klotz, you've recently got sucked into the black hole that is Marvel Legends. Mm-hmm. Is this the thing that kind of attracts you? you like, hmm, I might have to do this too. Uh, the the Supes uh, Hot Wheel thing, not so much. But this uh, this Aquaman setup, um, being that it comes with the three figures in this window box with this great art on it and everything, I would love to have that on my shelf. You know what I mean? Like that, I think that looks, that's such incredible presentation. Um, the figures look great, but like they, the way they're set up in the packaging looks incredible. Yeah. And it's the whole, again, it's the cover. It's the whole yeah. scene playing out. And it's, I, I think it's going to get collectors excited. And, oh man. Yeah. The back looks great too. Cause they've got the classic like art. Yeah. This is, this is really cool. I hope it does well. For, uh, so if people aren't seeing this, it's it, what you guys are talking about is Aquaman, Black Manta, and Ocean Master. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and in the links to these articles will be in the show notes too. So uh, oh, if, cool. you're, if you're listening at home, you can go check the show notes yeah. and it'll be in there. But yeah, no, it's it, this product looks great. Uh, do you do toys at all, Jeff? A little bit, not too much. <laughs> but uh, I mean, when I was young, yeah, you know, tons, but uh, yeah. Well, know. that's the thing as well. These are affordable. You know, they're not charging, you know, 120 bucks. They're charging 60 bucks, which yep. is perfect for high-end but not too high-end retail. Unless you live in actual Australia, then it's 120 bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, move out of Australia. <laughs> well, yeah, so this Aquaman set retailing for 60 bucks, that's the standard price for either the DC or the Marvel Legends figures right now, like the the highly posable was it 20 bucks per figure 20 bucks per figure is is retail so that's actually really great you know like that's right where it should be and the presentation is so good yeah the box is really nice and i can tell just by looking at because if you get into marvel legends and you know the the six inch scale action figures you start to identify pieces that get reused and stuff these are all like current pieces that they're using on the figures so the figures themselves will be pretty solid you know what i mean so it's very cool. It was recently pointed out to me that I say, you know what I mean a lot, and now I'm super self-conscious about it. So for those of you who pointed that out to me, Kurt. <laughs> I believe Kurt started a drinking game based off of that. Uh, <laughs> Now I notice it every time I do it, though. You know what I mean? The more uh, you know, the more uh, you grow. I love those PSAs, man. They brought them back. It's great. <laughs> uh, one last thing here. Shots fired. AMC versus Movie Pass. We've we've covered this a lot over the last year. I do have Movie Pass. I've also been an AMC Stubbs member, and they've been fighting each other. And the quick overview of it is AMC is finally coming out with their own competition to Movie Pass. They, they're tired of just saying Movie Pass sucks. Leave us alone. And they're coming out with the eight listers, and it's not launched yet, so it could obviously change in the time that it launches. But it's it's taking their stubs rewards premium because you do a free one. That's okay. Then you have a premium level that's $15 a year. Still decent because you can earn better rewards. You get $5 Tuesdays, which gets you $5 popcorn and a $5 ticket, you know, which is, makes it really affordable to do that kind of thing. Uh, all kind of cool stuff. For 15 bucks a year, you get your money back pretty quickly. And actually, my wife and I used it enough over the last 10 years or so, however long stuff has been out that uh, we've never had to pay for it. We Usually we have our points built up by the time it needs to renew that we just use the points to renew and carry on. 
So A-listers is going to throw the $15 that goes out the window. All the, the rewards still stay. But now you get to go three times a week to any movie you want. Hey, guess what, Phil? You can see IMAX. You can see Dolby Surround Sound. You can see the same movie all day long if you want. You just get three a week. It can be the same movie each time. Screw you, Movie Pass, right? You don't have to check in. You can pre-order your tickets. All this sounds $20 a freaking month, man. Double what Movie Pass is charging. And that's what gets me. It's like, oh, really? Ah. See, when I read that, maybe because I don't have Movie Pass, I thought, oh, that's actually a really good bargain. That's pretty cheap. It's okay. Like, no, it, it is fair. It's still cheap when you think about, hey, I can go to IMAX. I can pre-order my Avengers tickets. I can. I mean, how much one movie know. ticket costs? That, that's nothing if you go a couple right. times. Yeah. Like, if you're single, right? It is. Sure. It's a fine deal. But Movie Pass is $10, and I'm not single. So my wife has one as well. And the other thing, I'm not saying it's a bad deal. I'm saying, at first, like, ooh, AMC, because they're my brand. I like them. And then I was like, wow, you're doubling, you're doubling my monthly cost. Because I was never, a, Jeff, you don't know, but we talked about on the show. I was never a huge moviegoer because I have four kids and a wife and, and a bunch of jobs. So I really only got to go see the big movies of the year, and that was it. And this allowed me to go see other cool stuff. Uh, uh, I was going to tell you some cool stuff, and I blanked on it. But I, I got to see other stuff other than just Marvel movies this year. And... <laughs> and then we could take the kids, right? So my wife would take. Wait, you my have phone. a movie pass for every kid as well. Then? No, 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 it's just me and my wife. But okay. you get one a day on the ones we signed up. So that's two movies a day, and she would take my card and my phone and log in, and so she'd buy a ticket on her card, buy a ticket for one of the kids on on the other card, and that's how we'd work it. So uh, there's still one a day. You yeah. know, I'm just not the particular person doing it. Uh, movie passes. Of course, man. I I hope you're not like admitting to fraud right now. That would, that would be really. <laughs> I'm admitting to using the opportunity that is in front of me because they promised yeah, me a that movie. That doesn't a mean day. it's not fraud. Well, they, they, don't, they don't check. They don't check anything. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, oh, there's a lot of holes in movies. I, I hope I'm mostly kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it's fraud. <laughs> but, fraud. So here's the thing for me. I was excited about AMC, but. <laughs> Some light treason. <laughs> it is. It is straight up three movies a week. Uh, it doesn't roll over, which is fine. But there's no choice, right? With Movie Pass in my area, AMC. I've thought about this a couple times. They bought the Carmike. The Carmike was the shithole. I mean, it had literally had holes in the walls in the lobby. It's a no crap shit. theater. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, and I hated it. And I never went there for 12 years. I never went there. And AMC bought it. So I said, oh, they're going to bring their brand. They're going to clean it up. A year later, they still haven't fixed it. It's still a shithole. They haven't done anything to renovate that theater. But the theater that AMC did have got sold to a small movie company called New Vision that has maybe a dozen theaters across the U.S. or maybe just in the southeast. And so they, they kept the great people. They kept the great policies. They kept the clean theater. And I go there. Instead, because I have a choice. If I have AMC, I have to go to the shithole well, theater. Yeah, clearly the the AMC service is only going to work for you if your local community theater is AMC, right. or if you live in a major metro um, where you have you know access to to one. Like for me personally, this town we've got one of those small chains like you're talking about, mm-hmm. Charles. Mm-hmm. Uh, ours is Marquis Cinema. It has like less than twenty locations nationwide, and th- there's never more than one in a state so yeah um but yeah like it's 
we, I don't have an AMC right nearby, so this would never matter for me. But if you do, $20 a month, three movies a week is pretty fair, particularly if you're someone who can get out a couple times a week and go catch a movie. You know what I mean? If you're going to catch yeah. like a, a week weekday movie and a weekend movie or something like that. So right. um, I did notice their stipulation here is that uh, there needs to be at least two hours between showtimes on the same day. So you're probably not going to jam three movies in a day pretty much no matter what, but you could, you know, you probably could. you could two make hours, it. Two hours well, in showtime just means you don't like double book the same movie, I think is all they mean. Right. Yeah. Well, and cause they're clearly trying to prevent fraud and stuff. Yeah. Like that, so. Yeah. Uh, it's tied to your stuff card. Theoretically, you'd have to show your ID with it, whatever. Um, and there, I mean, there's a lot of good benefits. It is just why I'm, and if I wasn't already in the movie pass, jungle as it were because i mean movie pass well, it's a it's a titanic it's going to sink at some point yeah we've talked about that yeah, at length yeah. i mean movie pass is going to be a great ride for as long as you can ride the ride you know right I mean? eventually the wheels fall off yeah i let think me, me, sorry. oh sorry go ahead jeff well, i want to ask you guys about movie pass so does it how does it work does each chain or independent theater decide if they're going to accept movie pass um like how does movie pass get in they have to negotiate with the theater Yes and no. So it's a MasterCard. And so what happens is you have to be in the theater itself. And MoviePass just has to recognize the theater. And AMC, even though they fight with MoviePass, they can't stop it because legit, it's just a straight-up MasterCard. Uh, now, How is the theater getting their money then from MoviePass? Yeah, MoviePass is paying the theater. How is MoviePass making money then? <laughs> That's been the great debate, man. We we they're are not. not well, we actually know from we covered this about a month ago that uh, Movie Pass flip flopped on on their subscription plans and their rates, but they are hemorrhaging twenty million a month uh, right now, as far as we oh can God. from what reports say. So, I mean, they just did another wave of fundraising, and and one of their biggest backers is a statistics company. So, I mean, we we always theorized. If you just track the movies we watch and that you already have my age, you have my gender, you have all the yeah, the, the stuff you need, the marketing stuff you need. And then you just go, oh, you saw all these films? We can start direct marketing easily. And that's the theory. We don't know. Uh, but here's the thing. AMC, what they've also done is they negotiated with the theaters and they tried to get $3 per ticket back, basically discounted off. You know, they try to get it back, but it's discounted off. And... 30% of concessions and a lot of the, or they won't list your theater as on their app. Um, they're a little mafia that way. And a lot of theaters have acquiesced and said, you know, there's some mom and pop theaters that have come out and said, this has boosted our business. We'll give you 30% of our right. take. Easily. But the bigger chains are probably like, fuck you. AMC yeah. from day one was fuck you. And they fought. So uh, about Christmas last year, an email came out from movie pass trying to thump AMC in the forehead going, we'll show you. And they listed about 12 of the biggest AMC theaters in the nation, including the one uh, at Universal, because we were going to try to see Jurassic World or something down there because it comes out two weeks earlier. And it won't take there because MoviePass said, you know, we're going to stop that theater from being on our radar. You can't because with MoviePass, you have to log in. That's the whole thing that they control is you have to be GPS in at the theater and pick your time. So you can't pre-order tickets. You can't do 3D or IMAX or anything yeah. special. It's all 2D. You do it all from the, an app on your phone? All from the app on your phone, yeah. And so, yeah, you, you sign in. So, Infinity War. You know, I showed up, checked into Infinity War on the app, went out and said, 
you know, I'd like one for Infinity War, and they took my card and swiped it. That was the end of it. AMC fights back with being, I told you I was in the Stubbs program, they won't let you get points, even though that was never really in their terms of service, and they never came out and said, hey, we have a new terms of service. They just sent us an ugly letter going, we notice you're getting points on MoviePass, and that's going to stop, or we're going to suspend your account. I'm like, asshole, I've been a customer for 15 years. You could have at least said, hey, we don't, we're not going to support that anymore, but they came with a hard Charles, hammer. Charles, you're just a number. Man. I know, man. But my number is one, bitch, and I'm going to take <laughs> it to you all the way. So, But that's the, that's the overview. So that's why a lot of people will look at AMC's A-listers as uh, a great opportunity because think, you get a lot of convenience with it. I think that this could be potentially heralding an era of subscription services for your local theater, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily a bad thing. No, uh, not at all. Klotz, you posted – uh, earlier this week about uh, someone's like uh, theaters like what's going to take to get you off your couch and the thing is like how about not charging $20 for a popcorn that'll yeah. help but that would that would absolutely help is is I would pay, I, I personally because I'm going to do more than one subscription and honestly if this is literally locked to my ID then I need six $20 a person ain't going to happen a month. It just is. Well, you're not you're not necessarily going to take your children to every film though either. I want to take them to some, like Incredibles and, 2 is and out, the re- you know. The reality is like this program isn't going to work for everyone. Yeah, you know? that is the reality. You know, so I mean that's that's the thing. I mean, if you're going to take your kids to Incredibles 2, if you and your wife both have this this program and then you just buy the extra tickets for your kids, that's not that different. You know, like you don't lose value that way if you're predominantly just you and your wife are going to see movies. That's you know true. I mean? That's true. Times, you know what I mean? And like any of these programs, as long as you're seeing like one movie a week on average, you're probably coming out way, way ahead. You know what I mean? I will say either way. I agree. And I mean, even at, on average at three a week, that's 12 movies a month. That's my wife and I, at first, I mean, she was just going because we hadn't been able to go to movies and she's free at night. And she's like, I'm going to go see this. I'm gonna, she, she saw a book club, I think it was, where the old ladies read Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, she just went to see it just because she could go out and go see it, you know. Um, okay. and, and it looked kind of interesting to her, whatever. So, yeah, she, she's been going. But summer hit. You know, we went on vacation. We've done other stuff. I don't think we've been to a movie since Deadpool 2 came mm-hmm. out. Um so, yeah, I mean, it slowed down for us. But it's a good deal either way. I'm a cheapo. You know, I want to pay 20 bucks a month for my wife and I uh, to be able to go. But this is a great backup plan. And either way you go, I think you're going to save money overall and go to movies more because it, it's a pretty good deal. So uh, we'll see how it goes. It still hasn't actually officially launched. And it's got a lot of great benefits uh, if they keep it before launch. If they keep the benefits, it's got a lot of great benefits that definitely offset the movie pass frustration. But with all that being said, we've got some more stuff to come right after the break. So sit tight. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, I'm Philip Keating. Please say you'll be the answer for an innocent McFall child who is suffering right now. A child who needs your help. Please head on over to patreon.com slash breakingthepanel and donate monthly. 
With donations as low as a dollar, you can save one of these kids from their abusive father who won't use his movie pass on them. Provide love in the form of popcorn and soda pop. Join within the next 30 minutes at $5 and receive access to the Discord. And if you're feeling extra generous, which I hope you are, donate at $10 a month and we'll instantly send you behind-the-scenes videos and exclusive panels. This is your chance to say, I won't sit by while a McFall child suffers. For shit's sakes, look who their fucking father is. Donate over at patreon.com slash breaking the panel. Thank you. And we're back, and we've got the much-teased story of the night. Star Wars story. Hold, please. We'll be back with you in a few years. With the not-so-great launch of Solo, which we talked about uh, why it wasn't so great, between the fans being, oh, my God, on either side of the issue, rabid, and the fact that you threw it up under the bus of Infinity War and everything else going on, it didn't make as much money as they wanted. Apparently... Star Wars is going to, all the Star Wars spinoffs are going to be put on hold. And Kotz, you were, you were like, man, there's a lot I could talk about. So take it away, sir. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, shame on you, Disney. And here's why I say that. Y- you fucked up. We, we talked about this at length. Your timing for Solo sucks. You probably should have released it this holiday season. It probably would have had a better chance. You stacked it on top of a bunch. You stacked it on top of two MCU movies that you put out and a competitor movie from Fox. Yeah. You done fucked up. And then on top of that, now because this has had a lukewarm, you know, box office performance, you want to roll back this big initiative you've got with these solo, you know, not solo specifically. Star Wars Wars stories. stories. I I have no respect for that. Like that is, you can't come to the table with a bold, brash new idea. Like you had with these side stories, have your second one flop a little bit and then just back off. Like I get, obviously there's a lot of money on the line, but solo didn't fail because the idea of what you're trying to do with solo is lack you know lacking at all it's because the execution was rough the timing the promotion the promo we talked about that the promotion was terrible yeah. like they did nothing to you know entice people to show up for this movie the all of the behind the scenes stuff with the former director duo and how they had to have ron howard come in and he he saved the day by the way you know what i mean like he saved the day. This movie is much salvaged from what how bad it could have been. And it didn't, unlike, you know, what I was talking about with Justice League earlier, you don't see the seams of the surgery all over this. You know what I mean? It it flows as a cohesive film. It, even if it's not your favorite film, you keep, I don't think if you're a fan of cinema and, you know, are a little bit educated on the topic, you can't watch this and say, okay, it, it's a cohesive vision. It flows. It gets a lot done in its, you know, just shy of two hour runtime. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, it's Disney. Don't don't put your flag in the sand and then back off. Like you've got to you've got to work out the the kinks and keep pushing. Also, uh, we were talking. I believe it was while you were out, Charles. We were talking with Dennis about this topic, and Dennis was mentioning that he did some reading that apparently part of the whole Lucasfilm act 
acquisition really put Disney in this position where they have to pump out a lot of Star Wars material on a steady basis for the next few years in order to remain profitable on that deal hmm. to generate the revenue. You know what I mean? Yeah, to, that doesn't always mean big screen either, I guess. No, it doesn't, but I just don't, I don't know. There is a fatigue factor, and maybe I guess that's what they're pivoting on is the the fatigue factor. But you're trying to make Star, you're trying to, the clear goal of this was to move Star Wars away from being a every two or three years we get a new right. mainline film. It's a big event. You know, they're they trying and to, to get make, away from the Skywalker saga. Right. Of course. Yeah. You know, so they, they definitely were trying, they're trying to expand the brand to be a steady brand that is always available in the marketplace, which they've done to a certain extent for a long time before Disney, even, you know what I mean? With Clone Wars and everything. So, I just think that you gotta you gotta stay strong. You gotta have confidence. You have the strongest IP on the planet. If you do it right, you're gonna do well. But if you half-ass it, you're gonna have problems. Yeah. Yeah, but you, if if they stop producing all these sub stories, doesn't that give them more time to craft, you know, the 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 main stories as they are? We were just talking about not too long ago. Um, how we want Marvel to slow down. Yes. Because they had such a good run for 10 years, but, but it's time to pull back a little bit. And I'm actually happy that they're going to stop these, these side stories for a little bit, because it felt like to me that they were trying to sprint before they can walk. Mm. And, it, and, it, and if, and if them stopping these side stories, means that they're going to reevaluate what they're doing as filmmakers with the IP. If it means we're going to have stronger movies every so often, I'm for it. And then, you know, maybe a couple years down the road, once they have their own star Wars formula figured out, kind of like Marvel has, then I can see some, some uptick in, in release schedules and, and rebuild. I, I hate to say this, rebuild the faith with their fan base I don't think that's ever going to happen. I, it, hey, I'm a dreamer. Pe- people have decided that they just aren't going to be happy. Like no, I, I know, but yeah. yeah. But if this can start producing, you know, better quality films, and so I'm just I'm for it, and I understand what you're saying, Paul. You know, you want to stay relevant, and you know, everybody has missteps along the way. But if you keep chugging at it, you're going to, you know, work through your kinks. The same thing could be said about, you know, Zack Snyder. You know, he kept going and going and going and his movies just got shittier and shittier and shittier. Well, yeah, but th- I think there's a distinct difference between an IP and a, a parent studio producing films in the same universe and a single creative you know, entity being at the helm of that. Sure. A, a number of successive films. I, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with both of you. I, I, when I heard every year we're going to get a Star Wars, like, wow, that's a lot. But at the same time, Paul, the reason why they're cutting it is, is crap. It's you marketed it wrong. You launched it wrong. The second I heard Solo was going to be squeezed in, and that's what it felt like, squeezed in underneath Infinity War and Deadpool with Black Panther still running strong in the theater. You move freaking Infinity War up. Well, you know, and then you got then you got fairness, uh, Jurassic Park and, and 
Yeah, uh, in fairness, they didn't know they didn't know that Black Panther was going to be the success that it was. They could have pushed it back. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't because there's no Star Wars film this winter, so right. it's not like there's any reason why this couldn't have been just like Rogue One was. Exactly. Well, I you know when when was Black Panther February? Yes. Yeah, February. Right. Okay. If you push your movie back that close, you're you're already fucking damning it into the ground. Because then people are going to start already questioning a movie that has been questioned for fucking uh, months and months before it even came out. Is there is this going to be good or are there things wrong with it? We hear nothing but bad press about it. Yeah, I think well, the original it, idea then was wrong to launch it in the summertime. It's not a blockbuster film. It just isn't. And I agree with that. Um, but you can't see how good Black Panther does and then three months down the line, just say, "Oh shit, we got it. We got, we got to cushion this with something, you know, other than all these films." It's bad planning. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. It's just bad execution. And I think you know that also led to them saying, "Well, let's take a step back and reevaluate what we're doing with this goddamn IP and as a company, what what are we doing?" Well, it, yeah, and that's the other thing. This is clearly not just because of Solo. This is a one-two punch because of the the G2SL. reaction to TLJ. No. The reaction to The Last Jedi and the reaction to Solo. You know, lukewarm sales for Solo, insane sales for Last Jedi, but a really divided fan base. You know what I mean? It, it's... I don't think anybody at Disney slash Lucasfilm anticipated... We're going to crush numbers with The Last Jedi, and then people are going to be really fucking pissed off about it. And then, you know, we're going to four months later put out, you know, or five months later put out another Star Wars film right on top of all of our other films. You know, like it, it just, I don't think they anticipated it going this poorly. I thought they probably thought they were building hype off of it, you know, having the, the mainline film in the fall, or I'm sorry, winter, mm-hmm. early winter, and then rolling into the springtime blockbuster side story, but like it just didn't work out that way. I I think it's also a a place of not understanding your place in the universe and star Wars's place in the universe. One reason it kills even, even the crappy prequels they killed because they were released at the holidays and there's no other competition. And so you got this, you've got the star Wars fan hype and nothing else that will come close to it. You could literally put out a VHS copy in theaters of a Star Wars Christmas at Christmas, and it would kill numbers. It would probably take first one weekend at least, and it's a, it's crap, right? You know, uh, and cool. the fact that, cool. to me, the fact that they put Solo, you scheduled it at the beginning of the blockbuster season with everybody throwing things at the wall to see what sticks, including you knew Infinity War was going to be good. You did. You knew Deadpool was going to pull. Hard. You knew, um, I mean, let's be honest, it's the summer. You'll see it, and most people are going to move on. See it, and move on. Ocean's 8 took first place this weekend. Uh, Jurassic World is coming out. You knew Incredibles 2, which hasn't been out in, what, 10 freaking years? You knew 14. it was going to smash. It's it's worth noting that the prequels came out. In least, May. Yeah, in May. Yeah, actually, all the original Star Wars and the prequels all came out in May. There's holidays in May, bitches. Shut up. <laughs> it, was not, it was not Memorial Day either. 
But with, there's nothing, with, there's, there was actually, see, I don't uh, think there's anything wrong with releasing it in May. I don't think that was the issue at all. But. No, but it, it's the solo. Jeff, what's your take as a, a movie maker and somebody who's trying to promote your own creative stuff? Would you have scheduled a movie that in the last number of years has traditionally been at the Christmas holiday season, right smack dab in the middle of the beginning of the blockbuster season? Yeah, I don't have, I mean, I have, I don't, look, I don't want any Star Wars, I don't think they should make any Star Wars movies as far as I'm concerned right now, but putting that aside for a second. Um, You're so controversial tonight, sir. I don't, I don't have any issue with it being in May. All the original ones were in May. Here's the thing. Every summer, there's a blockbuster every week. You're never going to get away from that. Right. It was far, it was far enough away from Infinity War, I feel, it was like a full month, pretty much, from Infinity War. Um. I don't think any of that was the issue, honestly. If anything, I think it was maybe too close to The Last Jedi. That is definitely po- a possible problem in terms of oversaturation, that it was just very, very close to that. So that may have been the main issue, I would say, is, yes, it's nice to have at least a year in between these movies, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, that's another one of my problems with Marvel. I think you're right. There's like two, three a year. Like you're saying, Paul, hey, let's maybe do one a year and just make yeah. it really awesome. Um, so that's maybe my biggest I don't know. I, I was actually kind of surprised it didn't do as well. I hate to say it. I'm not sad about that because, like I said, I, I think they're making too many Star Wars movies. So, but uh, I didn't, I thought I was surprised. And that didn't do bad. The problem is it did bad by these ridiculous standards yeah. that we've associated with MCU and Star Wars movies. That if this wasn't a Star Wars film, people would be high fiving each other in the streets yeah. about it. You know, the, I mean? like, the expectations oh, are just out of, out of control. It's crazy. Yeah. If, yeah. Th- if this was some new IP, Space Bandit story with the same actor, same everything. Yeah, this would have been. Oh my God, this is the best thing since Star Wars. You know. Yeah. Um, See, yeah. for for me, what what's disappointing about this is one of my one of the things that I was excited about with the the Star Wars story side thing is that I want to see them move away from the main trilogy themes and explore the setting with real, like regular characters you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. solo kind of does that rogue one definitely does that because there's there's no force user in rogue one there's no force user at least as far as we can well technically and i'm one with the force and the force is with me mm. is literally a thousand times said in rogue one right but it, that's like a philosophy yeah it, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> oh jesus i'm <laughs> it's it's yeah uh it, that one might be up for a little bit of debate but um no i mean that's the thing is like and so for some people that is the deal breaker like oh there's no space wizards with laser swords i'm out yeah like that i'm not interested um i just think that like the setting has we know that there's a whole world of scum and villainy you know, of, of smugglers and spies and all this other stuff that's been explored in the expanded universe, even though that's gone now. It's been explored in Clone Wars. It's been explored yeah. in all these different offshoot things. I just want to see it get the, you know, the, the blockbuster movie treatment from time to time and done right. But I also think that they, you know, one of the things they've shied away from is they could absolutely do something like Rogue Squadron, if you're familiar with the book series. Yeah, it's awesome. Book like, like how, how have we not pitched a squadron based you know space action thriller with with you know like a top gun in space like how yeah. is that not a thing that's happening no brainer 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, it would be insane. Here, because you know? they've made a misstep with Marvel. I think they could fix it here. I think you're primed to either go to the new Disney app that's coming out in 2019, 2018, 2019, or cut a deal with Netflix and do Netflix style series of Star Wars where you get to see these characters. The and, thing is. And, wait, wait, wait. You get to see the character. And I'm not saying necessarily the, the, the Rogue Squadron thing. But it matters to the movie universe where you'd see it tied yeah. in because that's where they dropped the ball with Marvel. And you can have the Bubba Fett. I, always, I hear that rap battle. I always want to say Bubba the Fett, you know, because I know it's Boba, but it's the rap battle. Never mind. Deadpool. Shut up. It's <laughs> okay. People who, whatever. And you could get, you could get, Yo, Lando story. You and, and I'm talking about in a series, and then really flesh this out. You could even get Phil's favorite K2SO series going on in Netflix. I mean, watch that. I said it earlier in the show, and I'll reiterate it. I mean, television is better right now. Yeah, and we have that John Favreau live action Star Wars that's still in limbo. Yeah, you know that's where you know if but, they put their energy there, how can the you? Go okay, wrong? so the only thing I want to avoid with that though is, so this is going to sound weird. Battlestar Galactica reboot was mm-hmm. absolutely incredible yes. for what it like it changed the face of sci-fi I think. Part of why we're in you know complaining about comic book films right now is because it you know that really cracked open public perception of, of like the geek fandom stuff. However, one of the things when you watch that show is you see the fact that it's a TV show and not a movie pretty much all the time like in the effects and stuff like that and the in the scope of some of the sets and whatnot and that's my big concern is if you if you do that to star wars which is honestly one of my biggest gripes about the prequels is not i disagree with a lot of the story choices but also that so many scenes feel exactly like what they are which is you're on a soundstage you're standing on the only real thing in the shot and everything else you know what i mean and i'm worried about getting that you know what I mean? With a Star Wars show and it not feeling authentic. I thought, you know, with Rogue One, one of the things that was great is that world felt real and gritty, like the visuals, everything looked good. And mm-hmm. obviously there was a bunch of CG, but it was merged well with good set design and everything. So it didn't, the world didn't feel so small and so artificial. Um, yeah. Same thing with Solo. Like I, I was looking for that kind of stuff. I was like, okay, you know, obviously, well, this whole train sequence is all, you know, CGI, but there were times where you saw real soundstage, you know, soundstage sets that looked good, looked real. You, you felt like you could walk onto that set and touch things and they, you know, it wouldn't be real. Um, Cause I think that really sells the experience in a big way. You know, like, am I crazy for saying that? Like, it, no, I think, you, I think you're no. right. I think no, one I think of the most epic things about rogue one was the X wings coming across the water and the practical effects that were there. And, and, you know, the missing TIE uh, fighter scene. You're not wrong, but I also have enough faith in John Favreau as a producer and a writer of this upcoming Star Wars series that he knows exactly what to do with the IP. You well, know, it's, it's not necessarily a writing thing. It's an execution thing. You well, know? no, no. But as a producer, you get to look at the, the, the whole picture and see what's actually going on. And I trust him. You know, he, sure. he hasn't burned me that often. Um especially on other projects that he's done recently that I've enjoyed. And that's why I, I, I'm willing to give him a little bit more leeway and a little bit more of a chance to see where he's going to go with this. And I, I, shit, I, you know, I, I feel like even though it's probably not, 
either ever going to come out or it's going to come out, you know, next year. I, I just have faith in it. And I, I feel like he's going to do the fan base, right? What do you think, Jeff? I think a Star Wars TV series. I mean, I mean, back in the day, Lucas was talking about doing one. So I've been wanting one for a long time. I think it actually is doable. Uh, I mean, I hear your concerns, Paul, but I think, I mean, ideally for in terms of the cost things, I guess I'd say we got to focus that on the characters, ground it more, like maybe don't be going to all these different locations like the movies do, right? It's yeah. doable. Just don't be as ambitious, but that's better. I think the more you focus on characters and a lot, like as an indie filmmaker, sometimes constraints actually make you tell a better story, mm-hmm. right? So I think that is very doable for them to do uh, a TV show. I do think, I don't think Disney would go Netflix anymore. I think they would hold it until their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mo- most definitely um that just makes sense and paul what you were saying earlier if there's new characters that's what i would actually be more interested in seeing i wish like that's why i wish they didn't do the force awakens and have like luke and han and stuff yeah. i love them in the original trilogy i actually just wish we had a completely new characters set even further in the future just for just you know we can we can reference that a little bit in the past but focus on new people we don't already know that's what i want to see i don't want to keep rehashing the characters we already know. That's fair. And honestly, and, the first part of Solo felt that way to me. Even though I know it was Han Solo, it felt like a character I didn't know. And I enjoyed that. To a certain extent, yeah. I had said that is that it felt... It took me a little while to merge the two characters in my mind, but by the end of the film, I was fine. Right. You know, in that right. regard, but yeah. Um, it, it makes me wonder how how the new trilogy would feel if you, if you got what you wanted there, Jeff, like if obviously you remove, you know, the, the core characters from the original trilogy and you push everything forward, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years further than where it is right now. Mm-hmm. And so like you look at like Kylo's reverence for Vader and it's, it's less of a direct lineage where that's my grandfather and more of a religious thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. maybe whole religion built up around Vader. Yeah, right. And and I I I tend to agree with you. Like I think that you know there might have been some more interesting storytelling to be done there if we were a little farther forward. However, one of my big concerns is getting too far detached from Rebellion era because I I get flack in Star Wars circles for this sometimes. I'm not a huge fan of the old Republic era stuff. I enjoy it because it's Star Wars. I enjoy like being able to be a you know a Jedi if I'm playing the video games or whatever. I enjoy the stories that they're telling, like with a fully fleshed out Sith civilization and Jedi, you know, the full Jedi Council. That it's cool, but I don't have the same attachment to it that I have to Rebellion era. There's a whole aspect of Star Wars missing from that that is in you know original trilogy rooted mm-hmm. stuff, and I just don't want to get too far from that, like because I don't want. Well, I also don't want a prequel situation where all of a sudden everything looks super shiny and high tech in a yeah, yeah. like a completely different style yeah. guide, you know? Well, the rebellion was the core of it, man. And everything yeah. was breaking and down and like, yeah. they barely had enough to get by on. That's, that's, that's got to be a huge chunk of the yeah. charm, right? Is that it, yeah. the Star Wars universe has always felt lived in compared right. to like Star Trek, everything's super clean and pristine for the most part, unless you're like checking out the Klingons or whatever. It just... yeah, on the uh, on James Cameron's you know uh, sci-fi thing series he's doing on AMC, he interviewed. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's like the history yeah. of science fiction or something. It's really good. He he interviews like Spielberg and Lucas and all these things. And he was talking to Lucas and Cameron actually says he's like Star Wars is the first movie he remembers seeing in sci-fi where it did look that lived in like grimy 
mm-hmm. look to it. It wasn't all polished and new. And he really, he thought that was really cool. Yeah. So uh, one last thing about this. If you've gone to Disney Hollywood studios, you know, there's uh, the star Wars ride there and the whole yeah, premise. Yeah. The whole, and it's just, yeah, it's the whole premise is it's a tour ship that takes you around. And of course things go wrong. And the original, I went a couple of years ago and the original, you know, took you to Hoth and it took you somewhere else. And then it was like a, a randomly generated third planet. There's three choices and the, you might get a different ending each time. Right now they've updated it to where it's the last two movies, uh, the force awakens and yeah, cool. the last Jedi. Yeah. It is so good. And I got to tell you what you're talking about. Clots, the magic of Disney, the magic of Star Wars is that being able to connect that real looking lived in world, sitting in those seats, knowing you're looking at a screen, basically watching a movie moving around. It looks like with all the effect, it looks like you're there. I mean, mm-hmm. dirt gets thrown up on the windshield like it wouldn't. I mean, it's so freaking amazing. I, I almost wanted to unbuckle and get out and touch, see if I could touch the, uh, at, at, well, they're not at, at walkers or whatever the new walkers designations are, sure. you know? Um, so it's great. If you go, you know, you should go and check that out. And the, uh, the original 20 years ago actually had not, there was just one space thing and that was it there. They didn't do all those different scenes and stuff. That ride's been there a long time. Oh, really? I did not. Really, I thought it was like new to the. Thousands. I went down when I was like when I was a teenager, and then I've been more recently. Ah, okay. Where you're talking about and where they do the different scenes. So what was, actually, what was the original? Uh, it was uh, C3PO and R2 were there, and you were in this tour thing, and you just go through space, and you get like off course somehow, and yeah, you're basically asteroids and shit, and you know, like <laughs> X-wing high fighters and stuff. Um, nice. So some of it's all the same. You know, idea, but nice. they didn't go to all these different planets and like the yeah. different the prequels so, yeah, the movies then. and this and that. You no, know, obviously yeah. these current ones didn't exist then. Uh, but they're actually building an entire Star Wars land in there. California, in 20, yeah. No, in, in Florida too. Florida. Florida, actually. Are they, uh, I thought it was only in California. It's part of the studio, Hollywood it. Studios. No, they're actually expanding it. Nice. Okay. No, it's, it's 2020, I think. It's it's Marvel that's only in California. Okay. okay. And then over overseas, of course. But yeah, no, right. everybody's getting Star Wars. Nice. That'd be cool. They also have a Pandora world, which is very worth going to. I haven't been, yeah, that wasn't there when I was. That was yeah, that wasn't there. I wasn't there. You can listen to any there. music you want, you know. Yeah. Show yeah. You. Every five minutes, so there's an ad that comes up. But there's over. an ad. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. You know, you got to listen to these <laughs> ads. Speaking of ads, Jeff, tell us about this charity stream you got coming up. Oh, sure. Yeah. So. Uh, there's a site called Roll20, which is a really cool site if you're into role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons or pretty much any role-playing game that's out there. You can go on this virtual tabletop thing and play with your friends from around the country, around the world. They do a Roll20 con every year, uh, which is like a virtual convention where uh, people just get online and on Twitch or YouTube, or whatever, and uh, stream their whatever game they want to play and raise money for charity. This year, the charity is called Take This, which is a cool charity that uh, raises money to provide education for the prevention of mental illness and uh, help reduce the stigma that's associated with that. Uh, so we, uh, this Saturday, June 23rd, uh, are going to be doing two uh, games. We're going to be doing Dungeons and Dragons at 5 p.m. Eastern. And then Conan, there's actually a pretty new Conan uh, role-playing game. It's called uh, Adventures in an Age Undreamed of. It's really cool. And we're going to be doing that 10 p.m. Eastern. So um, you can go to supergeekedup.com. We'll have a, on Twitch and YouTube. We'll be streaming on both those platforms you can watch. Uh, chat with us live, uh, and then hopefully, you know, maybe donate some money to take this. And, uh, and supergeekedup.com is also where you can find all the other stuff I do, including your Super Geeked Up live show, 
which actually we just uh, released that July 25th is when we'll do our new season of that right after San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, I actually have a new co-host I'll be announcing uh, then for the Super Geeked Up. So, you know, we do improv comedy, all that cool chat. And then you can find all the other stuff I do too, like Super Knocked Up, which Charles mentioned, and some other gaming streams and stuff. It's very cool stuff. Phil! Where yeah, can they find what's your, up? Where can they find oh, well, your baby face? Uh, well, if you are like Charles and reading is dumb and you like to live in a fantasy world, well, then you can find me over at Botch Podcast. Uh, over at botchpodcast.com. Uh, you can probably find me at the local bar at Mama's Ventura's in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, every Tuesday night. Come down to see me at Bloomingdale Farmer's Market every Sunday down at uh, North Capitol Street in R. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at Imaginary Nomad. Yeah, I would laugh about my job. I would laugh if somebody actually shows up to the market. Hey, man, listen to the show. Can I buy some apples? Do it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, No. I mean, apples aren't in season, but I mean, you don't know things. You're from the South, so that's fine. I don't put my hands in the dirt, sir. That's (laughs) where I draw the line. I don't know. I listened to that love cast that you were talking about before. (laughs) Paul, where can they find you, sir? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SoapboxGSTU. Uh, you can find me Thursdays live on FTH Beyond covering Marvel Strike Force with this big lug here, Mr. Charles, as well as a whole assortment of random guests and other co-hosts that join us uh, on a rotating inconsistent basis with some put about yeah it's 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 a motley it's a clown car you never know who's gonna pop out uh yeah and so you can always contact me through the you know the show's facebook page at facebook.com slash breaking the panel tell try to tell me how you think i'm wrong and i will respond (laughs) that's always funny sometimes i do that just to see what you say but it's it's more and more rare nowadays uh, you find all of my stuff at charlesmcfall.com. It pretty much links to everything I do other than the Friday afternoon show. If you're into emergency medicine or firefighting and you, or you just find that world interesting, I do a show every Friday afternoon from my office about, uh, EMS underground and talking about the world that is emergency medicine and how we deal with it. That's the only thing that's not linked to my site. So you can check that out on, on uh, Georgia Institute of EMS on Facebook. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to have some more shenanigans. I think everybody is here for the summer until Dragon Con. And then that's going to be Dragon Con, man. It's right around the corner. Blink and it's here. So I hope everybody is ready for that. If you haven't got your tickets, get them now. I believe they're going to go up one more time before the con hits. So definitely get your tickets in. We've got lots of great stuff going on on the podcast track. Uh, including all four people here are going to make an appearance on the podcast track this year. And lots of other great stuff going on in the con. So, except Chris Wisdom, he's not going to be there. Sad, sad, Chris. Go uh, shovel some sand and hand out some pencils, sir. Damn. Damn. Cold-blooded. I love you, Chris. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team-Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com.